0: Jake, where are we going?
1: To the Bard Rock Cafe, Miss Polly. I know you're what they call a foodie, so surely you'll appreciate the cuisine. Find us on this side of the Sword Coast.
0: I heard people talking, and I'm pretty sure that place is a smoldering crater.
2: As you two approach what you expect to be a smoldering crater, you see a freshly reconstructed two-story tavern with a giant banner out front that says, Grand Reopening. You also feel an uncomfortably familiar sensation as you approach, the same one you each feel before wild magic surges within you from your curse.
0: Okay, maybe not a smoldering crater, but something doesn't feel right here.
1: Of course something's off. Me old friend Brock's song isn't here at the moment. Someone else will have to read the ads for their sponsors. Spirit, if you will.
3: Shameless self-promotion activated. Bard Rock Network and all of its content is brought to you by Dragon Master Games a local game store where you can find collectibles and TTRPG essentials. If they aren't local to your area, check out their online storefront in the show notes and add a note to your order Bardrock sent you. Who are you saying that
0: to? Jake, whose speaking stone number did you just dial?
2: Um, Arlo isn't here right now. Can I take a message? How did you get this number? Uh, Anyway, Dragon Master Games sounds like a great store, and you should definitely support them. Thanks for the tip, but seriously, stop calling this number.
1: I quickly hang up my speaking stone and say, No one important, Miss Polly. Let's head inside and check out their wares. Miss Polly, I found some treasure.
0: This just looks like a bunch of t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, pins, and stickers to me.
1: Ah, it's all the finest swag.
0: Jake, we we've been over this. All treasure is swag, but not all swag is treasure. You don't have to steal this Bard Rock Network merch. You can just pick it up at affordable prices from their merch store. Just go to tpublic.com slash user slash Bard Cafe and you can get all this all that and more.
1: You have a point, Miss Polly. We won't be making off of this swag. Besides, buying it helps support the network and keep them making quality content.
0: Exactly! Tell you what, you can have a t-shirt on me.
1: Alright then, Miss Polly, what shirt size are you? That,
0: that's, that's not what I mean. I, never mind. Let's just start the show.
4: Welcome back to episode 51 of Bard Rock Cafe and the last of the one-on-one episodes. Tonight, Brock Song figures out where he ended up when our party got scattered across the universe. Brock found himself in a very unusual place. You found yourself in the middle of what looked to be a throne room. You see a grand and imposing chamber. It looks fitting for a powerful king. The throne room, located inside of a palace... And as you look around, you see a multitude of well-dressed fairies of varied origins, right? There's a high ceiling with intricate frescoes. And the walls are adorned with tapestries depicting various creatures such as bats, owls, wolves, and other creatures of night, right? The floor is made of dark marble with inlaid patterns in it. And at the center of a raised dais in one end of the hall are two grand thrones. One made of obsidian and the other, onyx. The thrones are adorned with precious gems and intricate carvings. A man who appears to be ruler of the court, based on the throne on his head, is seated on one of the thrones. I know you meant to say crown, but he is now in my head, wearing a chair. Did I say, did I really say
1: he said he has a throne on his head,
4: yes. Well, that's canon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's chair-faced Chippendale.
4: Yep. He is seated on the dais, and the throne is on his head. He is surrounded by advisors. A-, a Kenku one is leaning over and whispering that he is supposed to be seated on the chair, not the other way around. Underneath him is a crown of polished metal. It's not a material that you're not, you're not familiar with, it, but it is a glistening black metal, and there are diamonds embedded all around the crown of his head that make it appear to emulate the night sky. He has flowing robes of black, purple, and silver, and a belt, notably with three large, glimmering gemstones across the front as kind of the highlight of his outfit. Um, He has long, flowing silver hair, muscular build, and a clean-shaven face and pale skin. His eyes Shine like stars. And you're very aware in this moment that all conversation has stopped as you have just dropped in uninvited into the center of this throne room. You quickly find yourself at the center of several blades, right? All of them pointed mostly towards your neck. And very quickly, you find that, like, you really can't move a whole lot. They are on you. What do you do? First of all,
1: do I, based on context clues of all these tapestries and like knighthood motifs and the fact this place is full of fairies, have enough context to roll a history check to see if I know who the heck this guy is?
4: Absolutely.
1: Go ahead and roll a history
4: check. I'll also let you roll Arcana.
1: Well, history was 18 plus 4, 22. Arcana is substantially worse, but that's natural 20, so...
4: Well, starting off strong. I know the drill. You do.
1: I, I've gotten 17 before. I don't remember what it was. The other
4: one is 76. So 17 and 76? Yes. And it was a natural 20, correct?
1: On the arcana check, yes. So 22. They're both 22s. So the 22 in arcana is natural 20.
4: Gotcha. let we'll just go with this one. Uh, you cast enhance ability on the creature of your choice that you can see within range.
1: Can I see myself as that within range? I'll allow it. I'll give myself the charisma
4: one. <laughs> of course. You might need it. It may come up. What do I know about this dude in this building? With a 22 in both history and arcana, you could say definitively that this is probably the palace of the Night Court in the Feywild. The man standing now no longer under the throne with the throne on his head. He's now sitting on it correctly with the crown on his head. He quickly got serious and decided to stop playing around. This is Orion, who is the Lord of the Night Court.
1: Oh, cool. I thought that was just me spitballing when I guessed that before. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Alright, so I have all these swords pointed at me. I'm like, Hi, how's it going, everybody? I'm Brock Song, and I'm not sure how I got here.
4: You have the, the language rock, correct? Yes, Okay, so you always have tongues active? Good to know. All right. So you say that, just dead silence from the courtroom itself, right? All eyes are shifting between you and Orion. Orion stands up and draws his robes kind of closer around him. He is eyeing you up and down. Go ahead and just give me a straight charisma check.
1: That is a 12 plus 517.
4: His face is just a mask of just... He has a very good poker face right now. He says, Who are you, and how did you get to my court?
1: It's a long story. If you if you would permit me just to have a little bit of personal space from all of these swords, I can tell you. I put up my in song form.
4: Troll For persuasion check. That is an 18
1: plus a lot. For the audience, that is a 26.
4: I was going to say, that's like a million. Yeah, they back up to give you enough personal space to play a song he motions to the captain of the guard who is a brown-haired fay that is just built like a brick house pockmarks and scars all across his face and arms which you can see he motions for everyone to back up just enough you get the sense you are definitely definitely not in the clear yet they're going to permit you to perform a song
1: Water deep one fateful day, a rock fell from the sky It fell upon Bard Rock Cafe and then things went awry The clerics could not cast their spells, the magic had gone wild You could say things weren't going well and that would put it mild My friends and I each touched the stone, it sucked us all inside The end of days we soon were shown, soon everything would die Return to my establishment and soon learn something great Turns out that rock in my basement was a tablet of fate. It quested us to repair it, though how I did not know. Things felt a little desperate, so I performed a show. The Bard-Off is where things soon changed, though I came out on top. Death arrived, everything got strange, that's when the music stopped. Death had come to face off with me, I held my fiddle high. And then what did everyone see? A message from the sky. Malil the god showed himself, joined me for a duet. The whole crowd was beside themselves as we bid farewell to death. Just like that the god disappeared, the crowd was left aghast. Were things as dire as we feared, we needed to work fast. But an opening had been made and Cyric summoned me. He requested us to give him aid and find an iron key. Somehow we fooled the trickster god so he was not set free. Though it did seem a little odd, he wanted to flee. For Sue, I would come to believe, when Tamoy appeared. Why were these extraplanar beings suddenly strucken with fear? In order to fix the tablet, we needed something strong. But as luck would have it, opportunity came along. A tournament with a great prize held every century. For a wish spell, we set our eyes on claiming victory. We claimed the wish and won the fight. The tablet was restored. But before we went home that night, chaos was at the door. Strange creatures, heralds of the end, attacked us from thin air. The Jin Prince fell, and all my friends needed to get right out of there. Those things feasted on pure magic, so mortals would not form. Things were looking tragic as these things began to swarm. Queen Maeve helped us to get away. To do so, we joined hands. Whist us to the home of the Fae, and before you I stand. I got a 19 on the first roll. Let's see if I get the 20. I did not. I got an 8. So 19 plus 11 for a 30. Which 30. Which is before I got that time Malil did a duet with me.
4: Sure. <laughs> yeah. So a 30 performance. Go ahead and give me a perception check, too. Uh,
1: that is 5 plus 4, 9. I see nothing.
4: Yeah, you are so focused on the song, you're not really absorbing information. You get enough to know that like the crowd is into it, right? Like Even though this is fey nobility who've been around for a long time, and you would know based on that arcana check that in the feywild, emotion tends to run higher, this is a great performance. This is some of the best things they've ever heard. And you're feeling yourself too, right? Like you know you're killing it.
1: Yeah, but even though I've only got, like, five foot square personal space, I am, like, dancing in place while I'm playing my loot.
4: They allow you to finish.
1: Oh, I had advantage on the check anyway, because of Enhance Ability.
4: Yes, you did. So Actually,
1: uh, just because I had advantage on Charisma Check, should I double check to see if I crit on that one I did on him?
4: uh, Yes, actually. Just roll it. No, I didn't. Oh, well. Okay. Let me look and see how long the Enhance Ability... Well, hang on.
1: Lasts for one song parody.
4: It lasts for an hour. Cool. So, for the sake of this, we'll say basically this courtroom scene. One hour of advantage on charisma. And also, just a reminder, you do have the Felix Dice. And it's just you, so you get to decide when and if you want to use it.
1: I will save it for when I'm doing a little bit less dicking around. But with that third year old he has now seen the podcast, and he likes it. Say again? He has seen that podcast, and he's ready to join our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Bard Cafe
4: joined today. Orion takes in your song. There's a period of silence after you finish. As he looks over at some of his advisors, the guard captain notably is looking more at him than at you. Go ahead and roll an insight check for me real quick. 13 plus
1: 215.
4: Based on your experience, you would probably make the assumption based on some of the faces that you're seeing, that there is an unspoken conversation happening. Like there is a telepathic link, and they are conversing with one another where you cannot hear them. Orion turns back to you and says, I felt a plane shift into my domain. As ruler of this domain, it is my decision whether or not to accept that plane shift. I knew that it was being done by Queen Mab. She is not here. You are. How did that come to be?
1: All right, so I do, I do cover that in the song, but the basic version is uh, we daisy chained hands, Queen Mab was telling us out of there while these heralds of the apocalypse were literally eating reality, and we lost our grip mid portal, and I have no idea where my friends all were, Queen Mab. But me and Queen Mab were tight. She and I were like chatting it up right. This <laughs> is the tournament right before the thing happened.
4: I see. I apologize, I was enraptured by your performance and did not fully process what was being said. Thank
1: you, I'm honored in my bow.
4: He makes a motion and the guard captain calls for all of the guards to stand down and they return to their posts and you find yourself able to move freely. You are still in the center of the night court. Orion says, well, since you find yourself in this unusual position, I suppose I should introduce myself. I am Orion, the Lord of the Night Court.
1: And because, and because I do that, I say, Of course, my lord, your reputation precedes you. And I actually add, I played for many noble folk in the more material plane where I come from, but I've never had the honor of performing for someone as renowned as you.
4: Well, we already have a new addition to our court bards, but I think after that, we might find room for another. Perhaps I will introduce you later. But for now, I have to decide what to do with you. You are not the only refugee, you see. We have several, from across the plains, hiding from what is coming.
1: You mean those things that ate the fire plane?
4: Yes. We've been watching them, but we assumed that the Divine Gate would stop them, and yet here they are. On this side. In fact, I suspect they may be coming here. We've been at a loss for what to do and based on your story you may have answers that we simply did not have access to until now. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. But first, I am curious. Why did the tablet choose you?
1: Thanks about that for a second. You know, I I want to say that it's because of being destined for glory, so that was not the case. I was It was clear from early on I was not destined for anything. I was I'm the black sheep of my my, uh, family, but maybe because it happened to land in my basement, or maybe it saw something in me I don't see. I don't know. I just know that one night after the tablet landed in my basement, we all touched it, and it took us inside of it and quested us to fix it, which we did. But it never told me why it chose me. I'm being perfectly honest.
4: Fate is a funny thing. It's curious that it landed in your tavern and that it chose you, of course. But, as I'm sure you know, fate is a being that is conscious. It understands the world in ways we do not. And, well, the reality is, Waterdeep has quite a few powerful mortals. From what I understand, the Blackstaff would have been a good choice. But it did not choose her. It chose you and your friends. I do have a thought I'm all ears
1: when Zug Demoy was trying to come to Waterdeep I saw a figure, I couldn't put my finger on it right away, but as I've been thinking about it in the past month they looked like that ghastly figure that came to face me at the bardoff where Malil joined me in my song I think that that might have been the same thing, one of the heralds of what is to come came and faced me in that violin contest that night. I don't know if that's relevant, but it feels relevant.
4: And you bested it.
1: Yes, with the help of Malil. That was the night I found out Malil, for some reason, smiles on me.
4: Well, perhaps we can answer at least one question. He claps his hands twice, and the crowd seems to part, and you see a hooded figure with a lute. He's standing there, the lute strapped to his back. He makes his way forward. Hanging around his neck is a symbol of Malil. Deep bronze skin, golden hair, pulls the hood back. You see, go ahead and roll a religion check at advantage for me.
1: That is 11 plus, not a lot, but let me double check my score modifier on this one. Religion is 2, so that's 13 plus, and then 15 plus two, seventeen.
4: So with a 17, you follow Malil.
1: And I've been in Malil's presence one in a couple of times. Once when he joined me in the thingy hoogie, and once when I called his public bite secret.
4: The feeling is identical. If a little less... So before, when you felt Malil's presence, it was this grand overwhelming tidal wave of just divine inspiration. Right? This is the same feeling, but instead of, like, this tidal wave, it's like standing in the waves at, like, the beach. Right?
1: Someone turned down the dimmer switch.
4: Yeah. There's definitely, like, diminished power... But you know, deep inside your soul, this is Malil. Or at least his avatar, standing in front of you.
1: of the avatars that look like the guy with the giant guitar that fought against Sirich. Except with blonde hair now.
4: Yeah. You know, it's a bard. Hair color changes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I just now have this mental image of Tenacious D is Malil.
4: We'll go with that. It's Tenacious D with blonde hair. He comes through and pulls his hood down and says Hello Brock Welcome to the Court of Night
1: I gasp and I do, I mean, I bow on one knee because I'm trying to do like that knightly bow like I'm one of your devoted followers not like the I am honored to be in your service bow like you know the difference I'm going for here
4: Yeah I do. He kind of smiles and laughs like I don't, don't do that I immediately shoot right up like yep, nope, nope, okay Ah, <laughs> uh, well Lord Orion mentioned that there are several refugees, and I am among them. I am here because I have uh, cast aside the most, the, the the greater deal of my power to get away.
1: You don't mind my asking. I've only seen bits and pieces of what you got away from.
4: What is it? Well, uh, every god and goddess knows deep down that we're not what came first, right? ultimately there had to be something to make us we adhere to the over god who we call Ao, but even he is just uh, an executor of we'll call it the greater will well we've known that the greater will has the ability to unmake us all as you may know I was well not always a god once upon a time I was mortal long 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 ago Then I was raised to godhood, as have several others, many of whom you probably know of. And, uh, well, godhood can be cast off as well. But there is the question of why there isn't nothing. Why is there something? And the answer is, there is a greater will to the universe. seems like the greater will of the universe is tired of us all. I have my suspicions, of course, but he's sent the apocalypse. And they're making their way through. So
1: when I saw the end of days in the Tablet of Fate's book... I truly was seeing the end of days
4: yes you were seeing the end of the story so to speak I do hate spoilers don't you it's not very fun
1: I was really hoping when I saw myself there that it wasn't that really hoping that was going to be like a future people's problem
4: everyone always wants to be an observer but well, the very best stories are the ones you make I look forward to singing your stories if we make it through this because the thing is the world isn't over yet our story hasn't ended and you bested death once with my help but maybe you can do it again you and your friends are fates chosen after all fate itself chose you for a reason When the tablets of fate were cast out of the heavens they could have picked anywhere in the universe to land one of them chose your tavern now you've fixed it. Have all the power it gave you? It seems like it was a good decision. But of course, the tablets of fate know fate. They see the grand tapestry that we're all a part of, and they chose you. I don't know why, but I don't know everything. That's
1: yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a feeling you didn't know why either. That was Brock wants to establish a telepath like so he can ask a question in uh, out from, from the court.
4: Melil will allow it?
1: So he asked me this has like my, my entire life, sir,'ve been, I've been a do nothing, a loud about. You know I'm the slacker of my family. I j- like, I like to pretend that I'm this uh, special great person, but I really never thought I was. I don't see why fate would choose me what, I, what I've ever done to be worthy of being the hero it wants me to be. Brock's okay saying that because he feels like, because Malil is his god, Malil's kind of, like, had, like, enough of an eye on him to kind of, like, know that. For sure. It's not, like, something he has to be guarded about because it's not, like, this well-kept secret.
4: Malil, with, like, a piercing golden gaze, like, stares you down for a second, says, everyone starts from nothing. This is telepathic, again. Everyone starts from nothing. The best stories aren't the strongest people doing... The strongest things and winning all the time. The very best stories are the struggle. The layabouts being forced into situations they don't want. Failures pushing through again and again. Uh, the best stories don't come from the people that have it all figured out. best stories are told, where in spite of all the, the barriers and inhibitions and shortcomings, people succeed anyway. After all, you've had several failures, but beat death in a fiddle contest you've stopped a war in Waterdeep you have stood in front of the Black Staff. you have faced down gods themselves stopped an invasion by boy these are grand stories, you are not a failure you're just mortal special
1: expression lightens up as he hears Malil list off all the things he's done since that tablet landed in his basement he's like, I really hadn't thought about it that way maybe you're right Actually, no, you're, you're more knowing than me. You, you almost certainly are
4: right. Thank you. I am. I am I know a few things.
1: That's all Brock wanted to talk into, before. He didn't want to hear. He didn't want Orion to hear him talk a little of himself.
4: Sure. Orion is looking at the two of you. And where you guys had been having like an out loud conversation, then it got quiet for a second. I would say without an insight check, you know that Orion knows. Right? Just like you knew that he and his advisors were having a chat. He's, he's aware. Malil after he finishes talking to you turns to Orion and says I'm happy to vouch for this one. He's one of mine. He's one of the best. And he is beyond reproach. To which Orion uh, kind of raises an eyebrow and looks between you and Malil and says that's high praise. Coming from a god. And Malil just gives a sweeping bow and says I am here to serve. And Orion turns back to you as well Brock Song seems fate brought you here and I'm certain fate will bring all your friends here as well so my question to you is what do you need how can we help fate's chosen
1: Uh, there were two things the tablet questioned with. the first was to fix it the second was as you all know there was a second tablet and we have reason to believe that it may have landed possibly in the winter court I don't suppose you know that's true
4: This actually sparks some murmurs all throughout the court. Orion just cocks his head and says, It's curious that you say that. We had heard rumors ourselves, but perhaps the most convincing is that Queen Mab, one of the nobles of the Winter Court, fled here. It seems a dragon has taken up residence there and has empowered the frost giants and the white dragons and other less upstanding creatures called them to itself and made them rise up against the current rulers. The Winter Court is undergoing a bit of a unfortunate revolution right now. So yes, it's certainly possible.
1: And I will history check to see if Queen Mab is the person I saw in that vision from the book. Sure. Uh, 15 plus 4, 19.
4: Are you just trying to remember if it was Queen Mab that you saw?
1: Yeah, I saw a woman of some sort amongst all these frost giants looking at the tablet of fate
4: with so a 19 you're not positive but at the same time the woman looked small next to frost giants but not queen mab small because queen mab is like pixie sized right
1: okay sounds like when my friends all arrive we'd like to like, journey to the winter court and I've bought a dragon before chances it could be negotiated with I'm good at
4: that well you're welcome to try all of my envoys have not returned so, I think it's safe to say they're not here to make nice table talk.
1: Do we know more about this dragon? They're, uh, do they have a name?
4: All of our attempts to scry on them have failed. And all of our spies have gone silent. It's quite alarming, actually. This all started really about the same time, according to you, that the tablet fell into your tavern. So, my guess would be that, yes, the other tablet is there ask for information about this dragon that I don't know. It would be truly wonderful to get anyone back from the Winter Court with any information at all. But for the moment I will, if you don't mind, do you have a token that is common to all of your friends and you?
1: Actually just my. Brock starts looking through his pockets this tuning fork that was supposed to take us back to material plane we were all carrying one of these that work
2: actually
4: it does you say all of your friends have identical ones to this yes outstanding i will go about setting up a ritual think of it as a reverse plane shift it should be ready tomorrow in the meantime you are welcome to stay here mingle get to know everyone talk with who you like maybe give us another song of course, Perhaps you and your god can see who is the better of the two.
1: I think I'd much rather join the great Malil in a duet than a part of. Uh,
4: Malil is just grinning with a twinkle in his eye and he goes as you wish. Malil takes up a position and is there whenever you wish to join him or you may go and talk to anyone in the court. All eyes are on you.
1: And I actually, I wanted to play the the uh, duet with Malil, What I want to do is, I want to scan the crowd for any persons of interest to me.
4: So, play the duet and scan the crowd for people.
1: Before I play the duet, I just want to take a look at the crowd. I'm looking for someone that might catch my eye. Not necessarily someone who be like important to the plot, but like I, I want to do that thing where, like a performer's like like, zero- like makes, it au- makes the makes the of the audience feels like I'm playing the song just for them. And I need a person to zero in on for that. So I'm looking for like a mark, so to speak.
4: Okay, what, what sort of song are you singing? Uh, I'm planning on
1: singing a love song. Okay. Not including my brother, love song. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. am <laughs> trying to think what to roll. Just, I guess, perception check. Uh,
1: that is 18 plus four. I really should use the Felix die on that one. Oh, well, but still, that's not bad. 22.
4: Yeah, 22 is plenty.
1: I just realized after I rolled the dice, I thought, oh, wait, Felix. Never mind.
4: Yeah, so with a 22, you find several marks. There are... I'll give you a choice of a few. So there are several... What is it? Eladrin, right? The the seasonal elves. Okay. They seem to be kind of grouped together. And they are, for the majority of them, either the winter or autumn... attracts. Yeah. You see a woman in what looks to be riding leathers, like she just got to court... She has a bandolier of throwing knives around her chest, and looks like she, based on her the insignias that she wears, it looks like she is part of Orion's court, like she belongs, like she is of some station there. You see a dryad, very clearly not where she belongs. You see, hiding, kind of skulking near the back, there are some demons and devils. Well, devils, but one that is notably focused on you in not like a murderous way, but a how can I use this to my advantage manipulative kind of way.
1: So out of all those, I think Brock resonates with the dryad who looks out of place because he's out of place. Okay. And so he's going to sing this really emotional romantic song and try and lock eyes with the dryad while he's singing to the audience.
4: Because you are having a duet with your own God, go ahead and roll me a D100 and tell me what you got. 92. 92. Okay. Roll your performance at advantage.
1: Why don't we use the Felix die for that?
4: Okay.
1: You roll the Felix die, correct?
4: I do. Let me get it. My
1: performance Ah. is a plus 11.
4: Your performance is a plus 11? Yes. So the Felix die came up as a 17. So plus 11 is a 28, plus 5 is 32. You said you rolled a 92. Give me just a second to find what I'm looking for. I'll say this. With a 92, I was having you roll for, like, some divine intervention stuff, right? Malil's power is greatly diminished. He is still a god. And it becomes very apparent as you perform that he is playing you up in how he plays, right? Like have you seen the video of that little kid that wanders on to a stage during like a professional performance and oh, yeah, starts thinking on the piano and the guy comes out and like starts taking his whatever he's playing like chopsticks or something and makes it amazing?
1: Yes, I've seen those.
4: Yeah, Malil is doing that for you, right? It's like you're a hell of a player. Malil is the god of song. As you sing a a love song, you are bringing out a wide range of emotions from everyone in the crowd but specifically this dryad that you have honed in on to the point that she has made her way to the front of the crowd and is just enraptured by you. The air around the court is starting to smell distinctly of like fresh blossoms of some type of flower you're not sure what. So you finish the song raucous applause cheering from everyone. The dryad is... Standing there, just eyes like saucers, looking at you. What do you do at the end of your song?
1: What I'd like to do is, as we enter the finale of the song, I want to bend down, reach one hand out to the dry to pull her up on stage.
4: She comes up on stage with you. A tiny gasp is lost in the the uproar.
1: And then I uh, play with a... Uh, I don't remember. Do I have myself playing trombone that one of the patrons made? Yeah, I don't think I do.
4: I'll say this is when you get it. Malil has one right behind you. (laughs) Uh,
1: So as I stop playing, the trombone starts playing itself and uh, she and I dance for the, uh, for the crowd. Basically the trombone takes place.
4: So you have advantage on charisma checks. The dryad is decidedly not a dancer. So you are trying to lead someone that does not know how. So she is imposing disadvantage. You still have advantage. So just roll a performance check for the dance.
1: Uh, 18 plus 11, 29.
4: Outstanding.
1: The Brock Dicer finally turning out good rolls. It only took, like, a two-story arcs.
4: Yeah. She does not know what she's doing, but because of that, she kind of lets you lead, even though she doesn't know how to do that. But just like Malil is making your song sound awesome, you are making it look like she knows how to dance. Right? Even though she's a forest dryad and has never danced to a song before.
1: That Brock is raised in a noble's court and knows how to dance with someone who doesn't know how to dance,
4: and that is apparent to everyone watching.
1: Now We finished the dance, and I signaled her to join the in to bow.
4: She, uh, like a half step behind you, bows as well, not ready to be on stage. Malil does this godly flourish, and it's clear that like he's taking a bow, but he's letting you take center stage and putting the attention on you. Again, another fantastic performance. Everyone is, even among the immortal fey courts, today's performances have been something people will remember forever as a standout night. The the dryad is clearly, like, she stands up and is upright again, but is clearly unsure of herself. She's still very out of place and now in front of a crowd of people when a dryad is normally a very solitary type of being you can see this written on her face that there's just a whole lot going on in her mind right now i want you
1: in in her mind i want to speak to her like i i can see this is a much for you i'm i'm sorry i just i really want i you caught my eye i just wanted to let you know you caught my eye i did not mean to make such a display of you i'm sorry Let we'll go off stage in a second and that's all in her head so she knows like so she can tell i'm not saying a place where other people can hear i'm consoling her
4: gotcha I'm making some assumptions. I'm assuming you two are holding hands right now.
1: Yes, we, we, we held hands as we bowed, yes. I, I kind right. of like gently pulled her into the bow.
4: She's still got a hold of your hand, and just in how she's holding her hand and how, like, her posture is, she's definitely not relaxed, but, like, that panic that was starting to set in seems to fade away, right? And it's kind of like she's trusting you to take the lead.
1: As Malil and the trombone finish, I gently make my way off stage to the applause and I signal the trombone to keep playing for everybody.
4: Roll me one more performance check just for the trombone. At seven, which, which uh,
1: is going to be 18, but I have advantage because Charisma Thanks to one Nine plus 11. The trombone
4: is average. It's like a. Yeah, the, the trombone's like, doing. That's, that's, it's it's a, okay. That's
1: a dirty 20. It's okay. Yeah, but, it's. It's playing by itself. That's something.
4: Yeah, it's definitely the walk-off music, right? So it plays for however long you will for it to play. Malil also takes this chance to walk off, and he is reading the situation and very clearly letting you have your moment, while also drawing some attention to himself with some flourishes, and like going over to the Aladrin and making conversation in a very showy kind of way, right? So seeing that
1: that Immobile's drawn attention to himself and away from Brock and this dry-eyed. Brock scopes out the room for, like, a quieter-looking corner and tries to lead her over there so he can talk
4: to her. She goes with you. Happy to be out of the center of attention, but also you are still definitely the court curiosity and eyes are just on you while you're here. She's very aware that she's not functionally invisible like she's used to, but also she's looking at you like she's in now, right? Like, expectant look. Is the telepathic link still up?
1: Yes, I, I leave it up and let her know if she's if she's worried about others listening. I don't know if she can talk to me in her mind. That was amazing. Thank you. When I saw you, I just had this urge to play this song right from my heart. We were dancing on the stage like the breeze. How did you learn to do that? I come from a noble family, and that was one of the few things my, uh, my very stern father proved was learning to dance in the court, and then uh, when I studied performance at the Bard College, I became an even better dancer. I trained my whole life for this moment, clearly. Well, now what? I want to know more about you. How did you come to be here at the Night Court? Uh, what is your name?
4: My name is Talia, and I'm from the Spring Court. I'm here because the Lord of the Spring Court sent me, but since then, he's gone missing as well and I've been away for a very long time and I don't know when it'll be okay to go back
1: I hate to be the bearer of bad news but if what Malil and Orion and I were talking about is true might be less of going back and more where do you go next
4: you can kind of sense the alarm building with that statement she's like I've had that thought but my tree is there I can't exist apart from my tree it's only the Spring Court's Lord's power that has allowed me to be here for this long. It's how I know he's not dead or I would have been forced to return. But what happens if I can't? What happens? The Spring Court is just across the mountains from the Winter Court and everything there has been so dangerous. If my tree dies, I die. good news is, if what you say is
1: true, the Lord of the Spring Court is still alive and well so is your tree. My friends and I are going to venture to the Winter Court once they all get here to try and find that Tablet of Fate. And once we've dealt with the situation there, if we are as fortunate as we've been so far, it will be safe for you to go home again.
4: Well, that would be wonderful. I need to plant my acorns. I need... I just want
1: to go home. I understand. I've I've only been away from home for a day, but it feels like it's been Paul thinks above game. A year since I've been to waterdeep
4: something like that yeah says the narrator's voice i'm so glad that that you're here i'm i've been very afraid this is a strange land and i feel like i can trust you well if your friends are going to the winter court and you find yourself in the spring court could you could you look after my tree just just check on it i would be happy to how will i know which tree is yours she kind of stops and thinks about that for a moment it's like it's just my tree. It's the only one like it.
1: Brock pulls out his
4: pen and paper pad because he studied art at the Bard College
1: because it's also a performance-related skill. If you describe your tree, I'll draw a picture and you can tell me if I have it right.
4: Okay. So this time I'm going to make it a nature check. Oh, a nature check? I'm not quite as good at those. Yeah, I know. I can't just give you performance every single time. That is
1: a 17 plus 2. 19. Okay. Hot tights. when an important roll comes up I'm gonna be so screwed
4: so now I'll give you the performance check with that nature check behind it
1: 13 plus 11 24 but I do have an advantage on performance so yeah 18 plus 11 29
4: as she describes her tree and the forest around it and just where she's from you're able to like identify this is what type of tree it is right so you know she's attached to a weeping willow that is it's in a forested area, and it's a very thick underbrush, and this willow kind of stands alone in a clearing. And with all of this, you're able to make the best police sketch you've ever seen. Of a tree. Yes. Accurate representation of the tree. You show it to her, and she's like,
1: oh, that's it. That's it exactly. It's like I'm home. I'm like, you know what? I whip up a second one. I just trace my own work. Like, here's sure. like a, little, a little piece of home that you can that you can have with you until you can see the real thing.
4: I won't make you roll that because you're tracing, so you just <laughs> you do it, right? Yeah. Uh, and she takes the paper and then just throws her arms around you. And says, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." And it's like being hugged by a tree.
1: <laughs> I'm a tree hugger now.
4: Yep, you are.
1: Of course, it's the least I can do. I I saw. Like, if you don't mind if I'm being so bold, I saw, when I saw you in the crowd, someone who felt like they looked out of place, and it made me think about how I feel out of place here, and how, honestly, I've always felt a little out of place.
4: Well, my entire time here, I've felt out of place. This isn't where I belong. I belong in my forest, in my grove. But, well, you've helped me feel a little less of that, so thank you.
1: I'll tell you what, I happen to know for a fact... If the next safest place to go is going to be the material plane after this one. If we get you back to the spring court and we can get your tree, we can find a way to move it. I know a beautiful grove in Water that would... And I'm friends with the owner. And I'm sure she would love to house your tree.
2: Oh.
4: Is she a druid?
1: Uh, she is. Uh, she's my friend Diana. Aside from the one time she was possessed by the deck of many things and tried to kill me, she is amazing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, you immediately get the sense that, like, that was maybe not the way to open that statement. <laughs> No, that was for the audience. Yeah, but then, like, you get what? her back, right? She's like, yeah. what? Okay.
1: <laughs> the song also covered the fact that I have the deck of main things. It's
4: fine. She's, sure, she, that's... yeah. There's that moment of, like, she tried to kill you? Oh, okay. It, it's complicated. Everything is. This is true. Life used to be so simple, and now well, I don't know which way's up. And everything here in the Night Court, they have such beautiful gardens, but it's different. I've tended to them as best as I can while I've been here, but they're not my gardens. Maybe I could show you some of them? I'd be delighted. And I let her lead the way. She takes you out and shows you rows and rows of lilies just on the surface of, like, a pond. She shows you all different kinds of flowers that most of them don't need a lot of sunlight to thrive, obviously. But she still made them blossom and like it's clear that this garden is a work of passion to try and help her feel more at home and just walking through it it is beautiful and you do notice that as you're walking through it's like the plants respond to You recognize that it is her presence, but it feels like as you walk through, they are responding to your presence, right? It's like the flowers open up and present themselves just a little bit more, and overgrown pathways clear up just enough that you're able to walk through. And you've seen this kind of thing a little bit before in Diana's Grove, and you know, this is a druid grove, right? Uh, And it is the Dryad's home away from home.
1: Make a mental note to be on her side if combat happens.
4: Mostly a joke. She hears it through the telepathic bond and is grateful that you'll be on her... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's not a surface thoughts also can project a kind of telepathic bond, I don't think. Otherwise, Brock would already be in trouble. Right. (laughs) They just go and they find a nice place to uh, lay and watch the stars in the grove and then long rest.
4: So she takes you to what you can only assume is the center of the grove. There's a very large tree that's clearly not her tree, but it is what you would see as the center of the grove and the the tree the leaves kind of separate enough that you're able to see into the night sky and the night sky seems like there's always a clear night sky but it's like there's not a cloud in the sky and it just seems a little bit more crystallized above you Like, you're vaguely aware looking at the sky, it's not the same sky, right? You're in the Feywild, not on the Material Plane, so that kind of makes sense, but it's like the constellations aren't there, or they're different. But the sky is beautiful, and the Dryad just kind of presses a little closer as you both (laughs) sit under the tree.
3: authorized lifeform detected.
2: I'm not unauthorized, silly. I'm your friendly neighborhood mail robot, and I have a delivery from
3: Minva RPG for you. I did not order anything.
2: Well, it has your name on it, so are you sure it's not yours?
3: But I did not give you my name.
2: You look at the package, and it is, in fact, addressed to Spirit.
3: I take the package, then. Campaign journals. Why do I have so many?
1: Why, for all of your personalities, of course. I thought you would want one for each of you so you don't have to share. These campaign journals are perfect for players to track their character info, inventory, spells, and miscellaneous campaign notes.
2: <laughs> I'll mark you down as another satisfied customer. And if you want more, just go to our affiliate link in the show notes and use code BARDROTCAFE at checkout to save on your order.
3: Scan complete. Data added.
2: Friend request accepted. As the two warforged finish interfacing, a druid in a straw hat runs by, swinging a pair of boa constrictors wildly like whips, chased by a horde of zombies. Darnation, I don't think I can baptize them all! A little help? (laughs) Murder protocols activated!
3: Lethal force authorized.
1: I'm just gonna move these journals inside and let you two do what you do best. Bye!
0: Okay, Spirit, you can unload the supplies, uh, right here in the galley. Acknowledged. Cargo unloaded.
3: Scan complete. Unknown substance detected.
0: Oh uh, that's- that's nothing to worry about. That's just our stock of tea and coffee from Many Worlds Tavern. I wanted to stock up while we were at port. You can't get good tea and coffee just anywhere. Correction.
3: You can get tea and coffee delivered from Many Worlds Tavern to many locations... If you order through their website, and if you use the affiliate link in the show notes, a portion of your order supports the show.
0: Oh, that's right. And you can even save some money on your order by using the code Cafe at checkout. I'll keep that in mind. Thanks. You're welcome.
3: I believe the captain said something about finding treasure while we are in port. Should we go find him?
0: Yeah, sure. Who knows what trouble he'll get into by himself. Jake, we've been following your compass for hours. Are you sure you're reading the thing right?
1: Aye, maybe you're right, Miss Polly. Let me try the doubloon of absolutes. I flip the doubloon, it lands on heads.
2: With the heads, you get a natural 20, and a wild magic surge. A treasure chest appears before you.
1: That's more like it. I peer inside.
2: Inside, you find an assortment of dice, dice trays, and dice towers, and an inscription in the lid telling you where you can find more.
0: Looks like we can get all this and more from Fan Roll Dice, at the affiliate link in the show notes. And with code Cafe at checkout, we can save on our order.
2: Inside, you also find a picture of the entire crew.
0: What? What's that, Jake?
2: Don't
1: you know, Miss Polly?
2: The real treasure's the friends we made along the way.
1: <sighs> Christina, I'm all caught up in my favorite actual play podcast. What should I do?
2: All of them? Even my podcast, Agents of Damned?
1: That's right. Your show's excellent, but I'm up to date on that one, too. I'm not sure what to check out
2: next. Yeah, I know. There's just so many excellent actual play productions out there, it can be overwhelming to choose one.
3: Not to worry, friends. I can make some recommendations.
1: Oh my gosh, it's multi-talented TTRPG actual play performer and professional musician Marty Balmer.
3: That's right. Just check out my new podcast, College of Whispers. We're the actual play book club that can help you find your new favorite production. Join me and my co-host, Vicky, every month as we review and analyze different productions in a spoiler-light format that's both entertaining and informative.
2: Wow, that sounds great. You don't just look at the big-name productions, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like whenever I ask for podcast recommendations, the same handful of super popular mainstream shows is all I get suggestions for.
3: Not to fear. On College of Whispers, we look at a mix of big names and indie productions, so the scrappy up-and-coming shows can get their moment in the sun as well.
1: Well, I'm sold. I'm going to go download College Whispers on my favorite podcatcher right now. Thanks, Marty.
3: Wait, Paul, we're part of the Bard Rock Network now. How is any of this news to you?
1: Give them a listen, everybody. imagine that, that after a long rest it's still nighttime because night court
4: you get the sense that it is nighttime most of the time in the night court but yes Thanks. you get a long rest as you rest i'd like to cut to inside brock's head where there's kind of it's clearly a dream right
1: yeah as much as Kalishar don't dream but more like a mem- that's the, that's the weird thing it's like I'm, i can experience memories but i cannot experience dreams Right, I can mishmash memories into a dream.
4: And I mean, that kind of works, but the memories you're having right now, like, for one, you're very clearly not, like, alert and oriented to the world around you, right? It's not a dream like you normally have, right? It's not memories because they aren't yours. You find yourself kind of in a house of mirrors, right? And as you're wandering through this house of mirrors and you look into a mirror, you see roll, also in the same house of mirrors, right? It's disorienting because there's just mirrors everywhere. So there's a lot of Brock but then there's a lot of roll. And roll sees you and is like trying to figure out how to get to you and you're trying to figure out how to get to roll and for the first time in a long time you feel like you're actually separated from roll.
1: Find that both comforting and concerning.
4: Go ahead and roll an arcana check for me.
1: Three plus two, there's that bad roll.
4: Nope. No clue. Go ahead and give me two intelligence checks. One for you and one for Roll. I realize it's the same, so just, you know.
1: A natural one for Brock. Wild magic inside my dream in a second. Sure. And a natural 20 for Roll.
4: Do you have any bonuses for Roll?
1: I mean, Roll just shares my intelligence bonus, which is a plus
4: one. Okay. That was relevant.
1: Is the wild magic in my dream?
4: Yeah, let's let's go ahead and resolve that real quick all
1: right so rock i have a a two
4: okay and a two a two and a two i'm like no I, i rolled two twice you want me to roll one again no what do you think i think given the situation we're gonna roll on the druid table roll a d100 please
1: uh that is an 11.
4: an 11. you now have bright yellow and red stripes down your skin kind of like a really trippy tiger Okay. So that was Brock. That was Brock. Yeah. So Roll who got a Nat 20.
1: Roll has a seventy-nine and a forty-eight.
4: Forty-eight sounds familiar. Forty-eight is just bad for Roll, so we're not gonna go with that one. So seventy-nine. You and the nearest creature cast command on one another.
1: I can't do the I cannot do the command that Brock and Roll would say to each other because we already did a fade to black. You already did a what? The the command they would say if we were trying to keep this not fade to black, it would be Go fuck yourself, but we don't want that to happen. <laughs> so they're both gonna say, come to me. <laughs> they're trying to find each other.
4: Do either of them choose to resist it?
1: Yep. They, they're actively trying to, so they're just like, yeah, they're the magical help. Sure, sure.
4: Okay. Go ahead and give me an arcana check for roll as well.
1: 17 plus
4: 219. Okay. So roll doing much better than Brock in this scenario. Making his way through the maze of mirrors roll recognizes this spell that has been cast as the maze spell so each turn in the maze spell as you wander the maze you're able to make an intelligence check and you have to roll absurdly high dc 20 intelligence check so literally you had to roll a 19 or a 20 to get out so you are trapped in your own mind roll has the ability to wake brock up I say wake up in air quotes because obviously Brock doesn't sleep like normal people sleep. But I don't want to assume on what Roll would do. Roll has the ability to take control while Brock is still trapped in the maze.
1: So it's complicated because of the deal he made with Epi. He needs to have Brock know like... I'm aware. So he can't like just have Brock be the one to wake up. It has to be him.
4: Roll can still choose not to take control. Can Roll choose to wake Brock up
1: and let Brock have control, or does Roll have to? Does it have to be Roll as the dominant personality because he's the one that passed the check? Is what I'm trying to ask. Roll would probably. I feel like Roll would know this. The short answer is Brock needs to wake up because they might be in danger. So someone's waking up. I'm just making sure that we all know who.
4: Right. I will say this. Brock has to find his way out of the maze. Roll cannot drag him out of the maze. It was. It's tricky because like, you're the same creature. Technically, right, but because it's two separate consciousnesses.
1: Well, I got it. Right, so, basically rule says: yeah, figure your way out of here, dumbass. We're inside the we're inside of a spell. I'm going to go make sure we don't die, and that counts as letting Brock know he's taking control. And he just vainly hears Brock's voice go, "Don't fuck it up."
4: <laughs> Coming to, you're still, I would say, buck naked in the the clearing, right?
1: Roll thinks to himself, damn it, where are my pants? Yep. <laughs> Let him have a charge for like like four hours. <laughs>
4: <laughs> a quick scan, you get the distinct sense, you being Roll now, you get the distinct sense that the dryad is also under the maze spell.
1: Have I completed a long rest for purposes of spell slots and we're leveling up? Yes. Okay.
4: As you rest, like even though you were in this maze spell, you felt the pulse of power from the the sigil on your chest it's clear that healing the tablet of fate has renewed what it can give you so you have powered up you have leveled up to level 11 you've gotten all your stuff back you're at a hundred percent right now
1: well was kind of like watching uh, like that way you like listen to something out in the background he's kind of paying attention to what Brock was doing even though he was like also in like I'm gonna go in my room in chill mode right. So he's like, okay, all right. I, well, I'm in her grove. I feel like I want her awake for this. So he casts the spell magic to free her from the spell.
4: So you do that. She wakes up, snaps awake, really. She's like, what happened? Oh, she looks up at Roll thinking Brock and just immediately calms down.
1: A spell was cast on us. Uh, what was the spell called? Rock- I Roll would remember this because he knew. Maze. It was maze. Uh, the maze spell was cast on us. How much do you know about Kalishtar?
4: I don't.
1: Uh, my name is Roll. I am Brock's quarry spirit. We share a body. I'm like a kind of like a guardian angel spirit kind of thing. You know, I'm supposed to like give him like sagely advice. He's still asleep in here, so I'm I woke up to make sure everyone's safe. Just full disclosure.
4: Okay. She's. You get the distinct sense that she's kind of. She doesn't quite understand, but like the the trust is still there, so she's like okay. Sounds good. She's looking around because now, oh, a spell was cast on us while we were asleep. Roll would notice that, yes, there's a pile of clothes. And even though he was like dis- deliberately not paying attention, the pile of clothes is not where he left it.
1: Do I have any access to my equipment? Do I see like my rapier, etc.? Yes. I reached for my rapier and gently poked the pile of clothes.
4: You have poked your clothing.
1: Something rearranged this room. I'm going to dock my clothes really quick. For reasons, and the reasons definitely aren't so that the podcast listeners have to keep envisioning Brock's Wang. And
3: <laughs>
1: something pile like on clothes isn't a mimic the when I get dressed. I put my clothes on and don my equipment.
4: Okay, so you are back clothed and equipped. Go ahead and roll. I would say in this span of time, give me two more intelligence checks.
1: Fourteen plus one's not going to do it.
4: Just let me know if you get the nineteen or the twenty. That's what you're 17 for. plus
1: one is an 18. Nope, roll still at the wheel. Okay, and he, he's like reaches in the back of his mind, like, Wake up, dummy! I'm trying, this is hard. I didn't take a class on a mirror maze bullshit at the Bard College. And the dryad's definitely watching roll have a telepathic conversation with himself.
4: Yeah, never mind that roll has very different, like, non verbals than Brock, right? Yes, like, especially in this situation, a little stressed out. Although we established last arc, he also did master pretending to be rock, but he's
1: not really trying right now. That's why he's just like, oh, hey, just so you're not freaked out, I'm I'm a different dude, but it's okay.
4: Go ahead, roll me either a perception check, or I'll say just a straight intelligence check with a lower DC.
1: I will go with the perception. I have a large plus to perception now. 13 plus 821.
4: As you are putting on all of the clothes, you notice a few things. One, the shard from the, the obelisk is no longer there, and among all of your other things, you're missing... What is a trinket that your character had?
1: Uh, you know what he has? He has... His signet ring would be a trinket that he has.
4: Yeah, the signet ring is missing.
1: Oh man, Dad is gonna double disown me. Can you double disown somebody? Oh, wait, sorry, I slipped back into Brock. Oh, hey, hey just so you know you lost your ring. Now he said that.
4: Sure. (laughs) What do you do now that you've had this realization?
1: So someone has to be maintaining concentration on maze for Brock to be stuck in there, right? Yes. I'm going to cast Detect Magic in a Druid Grove. I'm looking for a different school of magic from the priest.
4: Okay. So, good news. Druid Grove, the spell, Abjuration. So you see a lot of Abjuration magic everywhere. Maze is Conjuration. So you see, like, conjuration, like, weirdly on yourself because the maze spell is still affecting half of you? Roman Arcana check, please.
1: 17 plus 3 now, dirty 20.
4: You are able to sense that the source of the concentration is moving further away, just because you are connected to it by the fact that it something cast maze on you and it is moving away.
1: Is it? Do I, does it seem like it's within the confines of the grove?
4: You wouldn't know that.
1: I've been in a druid's grove. I have an idea how big Diana's grove is.
4: With a dirty 20, I'll say it does seem like they're still within the druid grove.
1: I just kind of point that direction. Like, um, like like, you have control of this grove, right? There's a person who's trapped my other half in my brain is vaguely over there. I don't suppose you can uh, entangle them for me?
4: You see her place her hands on the tree and close her eyes. And then you get, like, the leaves all through the grove all seem to shift and move around. There is no wind. This is unprompted greenery moving around. So It's clear that the grove is responding to her. It's clear she is speaking to it. And then she turns to you and says, there are three creatures here. All of them are trying to leave, and they are that way. We've captured one.
1: First of all, did I proc wild magic off either of the two spells that I cast?
4: Uh, yes, no. So roll me a D-100. 44. Okay, I will let you know when it procs.
1: All right, so I move in the direction they're flying, and I pull up my loot, and I use one of the charges on the DOS lead to cast Fly on myself, to check to see if I proc Wild Magic.
4: Where is my button? Okay, you do not.
1: Okay, so now instead of 30 feet movement speed, I have 60 feet fly speed and bonus action to Ash.
4: Oh, so you have functionally 180, 180. feet.
1: Yes, I can move like a bat out of hell now.
4: And you do so. It does not take you long at all. So here's the thing. Maze was cast. You broke it the first round. Whatever casted on you did not have time really to book it. You catch up to them within a turn. There is a quickling that is tangled up in branches and brambles and vines.
1: Hey, what you doing? Yeah. Yeah. He's
4: pulling his dagger out and trying to like cut the vines, and like there's always more vines.
1: Is it like I can't understand him thing, or is he
4: just making onomatopoeia? So this is not responding to you, just trying to get away and failing. Roll a nature check.
1: Nine plus, I think it's three now. Yes, three, nine, and
4: 12. Yeah, okay. I mean, quicklings are not that non, bah, unknown. You would recognize that uh, a quickling is known to just be very, very fast, right? If they're trying to get away, even while you're flying and moving so fast, they're still faster than you. This one's just been captured. What do you do? It is trying to escape the vines that have it entangled right now.
1: I'm casting the Thayer's Mischief.
4: That's one of my new spells. What is
1: it called? The Thayer's Mischief. So a 20-foot cube I see is filled with Thay and Draconic magic. I'm going to roll a d4, and it'll determine one of the effects that I get. And one of the, the effect I'm hoping for is it charms everything in the cube. Yes, I got a one, and a one is what I'm shooting for. It now smells like apple pie in the in the grove, and they succeed in a Wisdom saving throw, or charmed by me until their next turn.
4: Okay, let me check up something real quick. Okay, quicklings not immune to charm, so he has to roll a Wisdom saving throw. DC 17. 17. Okay. No, he rolled a nine. Till the start of your next turn, you have six seconds.
1: Tell me what you're doing here.
4: We're stealing. Stealing for the queen. Which queen? There's there's a lot of queens. Keep be more specific. The queen of the demon web pits. The queen of the Sildari. The queen of dragons. And about this time, the, the charm wears off and he like clams up, right? And then he takes his dagger and chucks it at you. Did I proc wild magic casting a there's mischief? Uh, well, I'll roll that first. Uh, you did, so roll a d one hundred. Uh, Ninety one. Oh boy, I
1: think I've gotten that one yet.
4: Roll me a d ten.
1: Five.
4: For the next five hours, every anywhere from like five to sixty to seventy seconds, you just croak like a frog. <laughs> and after about five hours, an actual frog leaps out of your throat, and then you're no longer croak.
1: Oh my it's, great. it's weird, but it's great. Right. Dear listener, my favorite animals are turtles and frogs. Nice. Thank God I didn't puke up a turtle. That would hurt.
4: 23 to hit. Oh, that will hit. Okay. So you take a negligible amount of damage. 10 piercing damage. You need to roll a wisdom saving throw against your own DC.
1: 18 on the die, and I have advantage, so let's see if I have the natural 20. Nope.
4: Okay. But that's I do pass. The previous wild magic roll that you had. The next time something attacked you, you were going to be charmed by that creature unless you succeeded on a save against your own DC. So you are not charmed by the quickling. You do uh, have a dagger sticking out of your somewhere, and the quickling is now unarmed. I reach
1: into my pack, pull out a torch, and my and a thing light the torch as an item in rack for a bonus action. And I hold it up to this thing's face and say, why don't you finish that sentence? Can I roll intimidation on the quickling?
4: Yes. I will roll against it.
1: That is a 19 plus
4: 7, on the die. So, yeah. The quickling is good and afraid of you. Uh, It is going to try real quick to escape one more time. And with a 2 on the die, it does not do so even with its Fairly large bonus to acrobatics. Um, It says, something in Sylvan.
1: Do I speak Sylvan? Of all the dumb luck to have, I can talk to trees.
4: Okay. As in, you speak Sylvan?
1: Yes. I speak Sylvan naturally.
4: Okay. I was like, that's speak with plants is one thing. Sorry.
1: No, but I speak the tree language.
4: Okay. You're the Lorax. Gotcha.
1: I don't speak for them. I speak to them.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So the quickling is saying a prayer to a goddess that it refers to as the queen of the demon web pits as it is trying to escape.
1: I would like to shove the torch into its wooden face because I can hear that it's not answering my question.
4: Okay. I won't make you roll for it. What is your intent with this?
1: I'm basically going for light torture.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha.
1: But I'm also putting it, like, at the face, not where it's actually entangled, so we don't light the grove on fire.
4: Go ahead and roll me a D6. Just a straight D6 for fire damage. Five. Five? Cool. It's looking real hurt, right? Like, that looks like it took about half of its hit points off in one go.
1: Doesn't work, little fella. You're going to tell me what I want to know. not only will you live, you'll be subservient to me from now
4: on. It's looking up at you. It is terrified. It sees its life flashing before its eyes it's like what do you want what do you want to know first of all what else did you steal besides my ring also give me my damn ring back I don't have it fine what did you take anything else pulls out some acorns says I took these and at this point the dryad is finally making her way like you were fast right dryad's not that quick the dryad has finally arrived and she sees the acorns and there's kind of a horrified gasp as she realizes these, these are her acorns right These are what she has to plant to continue her life to, like, once her tree dies, the acorns grow to replace the tree. This quickling had them.
1: So, give them back to the nice lady.
4: Okay. Uh, And it tries to, and it cannot move because of the entangle, so it just sets them down.
1: There we go. Cool. That's fine. Now, what is the name of this queen of dragons? Queen of... I can't tell you that. Are you enchanted enough to be able to tell me that? I
4: can't... I can't, I can't tell you that, or, or, it seems like he's starting to lock up a little bit. I see, okay. You're getting the sense that something is wrong as he's trying to speak about this. Do you swear your loyalty to me? What, what oath do you want? You will serve me instead of the master that sent you here. Um, again, it tries to say it can't, and is trying to like him and haw, and you get the sense that it is locking up like it can't. Maneuver around something.
1: Are your friends going to the Winter Court? Yes. How far does roll suspect they got?
4: I mean, since you know about quicklings, you know they move 120 feet naturally per round. You can safely assume they are dashing.
1: Okay. I would like to cast the spell sending to notify Orion there are intruders in his court. There are quicklings stealing from the grounds of his court.
4: About eight seconds after you send that. You watch as the air shimmers and just a vertical slice appears and widens and the captain of the guard steps through and his eyes are completely just pitch black. Go ahead and roll Arcana for me real quick.
1: 18 plus 3,
4: 21. You would recognize this as the Eye Bite spell. Uh, He came through ready to wreck shit.
1: I got one. The other two are that way.
4: He looks at the quickling says keep him restrained i'll be back uh and then steps back through the vertical slice in just reality and it closes and he's gone
1: did i proc wild magic cast sending? ending
4: uh i
1: have a lot of spell slots tonight.
4: no you did oh not. oh well all
1: right so i take the acorns off the ground and hand them back to tyler here here they these are for you i'm sorry that he took them we're going to make sure he and his friends face justice for what they did, and they turns to and they turns to the thing like, you'll get leniency as long as you continue to cooperate.
4: Okay, I will say you noticed when he was able to answer a question, it was like it came out in a gasp, like he was trying to struggle for air, and he was finally able to get something out. Right, it almost seemed like he was no longer being choked. So it seems like he is desperate to cooperate as much as possible
1: I pull out a piece of paper and i draw a tablet of fate from memory does the night court have one of these i don't have the night court the winter court
4: yes it doesn't look quite like that but yes
1: do you know where in the winter court it is oh can brock roll an intelligence check to take control again by the way
4: like it's been a couple rounds. i will say by this point he would have figured a way out of it just for the sake of expediency
1: roll feels like Brock is free and Brock is like can I just let me just handle the interrogation part and I'll let you back champ Yeah. just making sure Brock's free
4: yeah yeah maze lasts for 10 minutes right so the worst case is 10 minutes later it drops and the mirrors just fade away and Brock is back right
1: yeah and by now those things are well out of range probably
4: right that was the idea right is they shoot maze and then book it and by the time you come to they are long gone
1: so your friends have my ring. What else do they have?
4: They have that that piece of the the obelisk.
1: Oh, the rock. That's annoying. I like that rock.
4: And a little bit of your hair and a little bit of your blood.
1: I would like to roll our panda to remember if, what they can do with that.
4: Sure. Go ahead and roll. That is 16
1: plus 319.
4: So the most egregious use of that is for, like, scrying. Like, if they have a bit of your blood and a bit of your hair... Any scrying spell they cast on you is pretty well always going to work unless you roll really well on resisting it. There's a few other things, but it's not really—I will say—above game. It's for scrying.
1: Okay. All right. No, they're not trying to grow a baby rock. Got
4: it. No, it is designed to be able to keep an eye on you.
1: All the other—all the acorns are accounted for. Yes. Okay. And I really like that rock. And my favorite is like rules like. I fix the tablet face i don't think i can get more wrong.
4: for the sake of expediency because this episode is getting longer i will say that the quickling uh, is quickly brought into custody and orion and the captain of the guard get the full tale of events the other two quicklings were not able to be caught though their tracks do lead towards the spring court because they move so quickly, and because they are so adept at going unseen, they were ultimately lost. It was fortune and fortune alone that the Dryad was able to capture them. The fact that you miraculously escaped from the maze spell as quickly as you did is why. And had you not, you wouldn't have had any of this information at all. However, it's also very clear that the Quickling is under a uh, a Geus spell. Gaius, Yeah, yeah. Where it is required to obey certain commands and it's clear that there's a lot that it is just not able to say on penalty of death
1: oh is that all what level spell is gaius
4: it is i want to say sixth
1: i will cast dispel magic at sixth level to free him from the gaius so i can have this dragon's name
4: oh fifth level hang on okay and it lasts for dispel magic does not remove it
1: would I know that? Or did I waste yes. A spell slot? Okay, cool. I don't bother.
4: Oh, you're saying do you waste a spell slot? Yeah, you <laughs> waste a spell slot. Okay. Sorry. That's
1: why um, I was checking out, like, would I have known that? No. I, tr- You know, I try, I'm like, I use telepathy. Like, can you answer me like this?
4: I'm still restricted.
1: <laughs> Damn. Well, I had the thing's name, I have legend lore.
4: You're casting? Oh, you can't cast legend lore.
1: I don't know its name. I can, I, what the, like, what's the other thing I call it? Lord of Dragons? Lord of something or other?
4: The Queen of the Demon Web Pits. If I cast
1: Legend Lore on Queen of the Demon Web Pits, do I get the impression I'll get useful information?
4: Would you like to try? Sure, why not? You cast it, you get a vision. So the clearest image you get is Tiamat. But the vision you get is Tiamat dead, right? Body just eviscerated, all five heads removed, right? You see a figure robed standing in front of it, absorbing Tiamat's power. As the figure starts to turn, uh, the feminine figure is kind of shrouded by the ominous form of Tiamat. It points, and a quickling runs off, and you catch a clear vision of a familiar metal that you have. Uh, It is a holy symbol of Tiamat.
1: So it's looking for my holy symbol that I can be left in the food truck.
4: That is one way to interpret it. You see layers of the abyss as they are being consumed. You reach a layer that is the demon web pits. You see webs everywhere. Spiders everywhere. The same figure back there sitting on a throne, visage still obscured, but a massive dragon is now curled around the throne the dragon is crawling with spiders everywhere uh and then the legend lore breaks
1: oh beautiful. you know what I'm, I'm good i'm gonna let you take control now uh, but you saw that too right yes, yes i did and brock takes control
4: again as information is passed along and passed around orion finally takes brock aside and says if you're ready I think it's time for you and your friends to be reunited. Seems like we all have quite a lot to deal with.
1: Yep. I think I'm ready.
4: Very well. So he has the tuning fork, right? Mm-hmm. And It's at the center of a pedestal that he has in a separate room. They are kind of like in paints written all around it are just some runes and magical sigils. He begins to chant. And you see several portals open up. Stumbling through is Baragon. Uh, behind Baragon, you see the Bard Rock Cafe. Coming through with him is Mini Bar. Coming from looks to be a beach with a very strange lake behind it. You see Armbar coming through. Epi standing amidst a garden of glowing Gravewort flowers steps right through, and Nadir in the midst of looks to be something terrifying is pulled through before the portal closes you not get a clear look at where he was and then opening from another portal you see Queen Mab stumbling through from what looks to be like you would recognize it as plain of Order Mechanus. She seems unharmed.
1: Did I don't suppose when minibar and Barragon came through that inky was with them
4: do you call to inky in that moment or does roll call to inky in that moment
1: yeah yeah i gotta fight a fucking spider dragon yeah i'm calling my big scary monster
4: so you don't see anything but a shadow like slides out with them it's difficult to see because it is the night court but you feel a connection remade as you and Inky are now on the same plane again.
1: Above game question before we end the episode. Did my food truck make it back to Waterdeep? Yes. I tell Minibar to go run to it really quick because if it's the Barrock Cafe, the truck's parked right there and tell him to get that sim symbol I need it.
4: Minibar turns to go back and the portal shuts. No! <laughs> it's a one-way trip. <laughs> oh, you're fucking... No, I
1: did it before he went through. Did I just say I cast Sending knowing in advance of this and had him do it? I've burned a spell slot to have done this retroactively.
4: I mean, you would not have known they were at the Bard Rock Cafe.
1: No, actually I did because we were told he was sent home.
4: You know what? I'll allow it. Okay, so Minibar, with some Sendings involved, collects the symbol of Tiamat and has it with him when he steps through. And then Orion kind of frowns and says, that's odd. One of them was blocked. Could not return. You had another friend, correct? i just counting kind of his fingers like, Where's Rook? She's with me. And standing behind all of you, entering soundlessly and without any indication, you see Rook standing beside a tall, dark woman. Orion turns around and says, Oh, hello, dear.
2: Jake, what are all those strange people doing to the side of the ship? Well, Alexa, we need to let people know about our sponsor, Dragon Master
1: Games. So I had their logo painted on the side of the ship.
2: Do you think a local game store will want people to know they're in league with pirates? Maybe not. There is nothing stopping you from spreading word about all the great products and services Dragon Master Games offers at every port we visit, or... How you can order things from their online storefront, but please, do not paint their logo on me. Uh, fair point. Nothing a little press digitization
1: can't fix. Anyway, time to embark. Avast, me hardies! It's time we depart from this cursed port.
0: Isn't this your hometown?
1: Yes, and I've surely outstayed me welcome.
3: Hostile lifeforms detected.
2: You see several muscular goons approaching the ship as you raise anchor.
3: Uh, who are those guys?
1: No one to be concerned about.
0: I feel like that means we should explicitly be concerned.
1: Not at all. Those are our wonderful patrons coming to collect their annual swag bags and join us in the community game day. Ahoy, mateys! Come aboard for some of the finest swag in the Astral
3: Sea.
0: Oh, okay then.
3: Uh, where did we get patrons exactly? They subscribe to Bardrock Network on Patreon or Ko-fi. Supporters gain access to all those rewards and more. Links can be found in the show notes.
1: Looks like we'll be staying another ten day after all. Miss Polly, refreshments for our guests.
0: Sure, I have nothing better to do than make snacks for everyone.
1: Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry, Miss Polly. I don't want to keep you from your duties. Uh, What's your job title again?
0: Ships. Cook. Cook.
3: <laughs>
1: Ah, so then you'll be making refreshments for our guests then.
3: Snarky attitude detected.
1: You're damn right. Thank you for all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.
3: Our show and all the other shows on Bard Rock Network wouldn't be possible without the support of people like you on our Patreon and Ko fi. That's why we like to thank supporters who pledge above a certain tier at the end of network productions. This month's top supporters are Sarah, Queen, Viralor, and Paul. Thank you all so much for supporting the network. If you want to get shoutouts and other rewards, pledge on our Patreon or Ko-Fi today. Links in the show notes.